Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. From the Esquire Lounge in downtown Champaign, it's the second hour of Sports Talk here on News Talk 1493.9 FM, WDWS Champaign-Urbana. Featuring the News Gazette sports writers, Matt Daniels, Bob Ospison, and Scott Ritchie, delivering the latest insights on the Illini and more. Join the program by calling 217-356-9397 or send a text to the Castle Heating and Cooling text line, 217-351-5357. Now, live from the Esquire Lounge on Walnut Street in downtown Champaign, here are the News Gazette sports writers and your host, Steve Kelly. Welcome uh, to the Wednesday edition of Monday Night Sports Talk. We were not here Monday, of course, with the Illinois basketball game in Minnesota, another win for the Fighting Illini, and we're here on this Wednesday night ahead of a big basketball game at the State Farm Center with uh, number 21 Illinois going against number six Indiana in women's basketball. Some of the folks here at the Esquire are on their way over to the State Farm Center, which is good. Hopefully there'll be a good crowd there. Matt Daniels is here, Bob Osmussen, and welcome back. Scott Ritchie, good to see you, my friend. See you too. Scott, uh, a little bit under the weather as we turned into the new year, but uh, looking good, and we're happy to have you back, not only on this show, but uh, in the newspaper as well. Thanks, Steve. And I only missed one show, if you want to that, think about that's it. That's true. There were enough yeah. games on Mondays that yeah. uh, kind of bailed me out there. But you're feeling good now, and uh, back in the action, at least uh, 80% maybe? Yeah, I was 75, I'm not sure. <laughs> we'll see. I'm gonna, I will be at uh, State Farm Center tomorrow night for another Illinois-Indiana basketball game. So just kind of easing my way back in. Colin Likas and I will kind of tag team basketball here for the next week or so. Are you day-to-day, Scott? I think we all are. Yeah, I mean, um, I think I've moved past, like, questionable, maybe into, into probable. So he's not on the IL anymore, at least, Bob. He's off that. That's right. Thank goodness. We, we missed him because I didn't realize how much work Scott does. <laughs> so we're all having to do it now for we're all having like chipping, which we're all willing willing to do. But it's like, gosh darn it, Scott does everything. Oh my goodness! So we need him back sooner, but we got to make sure he's healthy. So when he is, that's great. Exciting week, Matt, with uh, two Indiana teams in town uh, with a lot on the line. Of course, the Indiana Illinois men's basketball rivalry goes back forever, and uh, that's always a big one on the schedule. And uh, and this one, a little uh, bit of a chance for some revenge for Shauna Green's team. Yeah, you get to see uh, two candy stripe warm-up pants and, and back-to-back nights at uh, State Farm Center this week. So uh, that'll be uh, in- interesting. Uh, but, yeah, it's uh, who'd have thought, you know, before basketball season started that we'd be sitting here in the middle of January. And maybe you thought you'd have one ranked team among Illinois Indiana and you'd have a top 25 matchup. But you probably thought it'd be on the men's side and, and not the women's side. So that just goes to show you the progress uh, and just the remarkable job that Shauna Green has done. 
in her first season. Uh, you know, she was here with us last Monday at a packed Esquire. Just uh, the enthusiasm for this program is off the charts. It's unlike anything I've ever seen, and I've been here in Champaign for 10 years. Bob and Steve, you've been here a little longer, as you guys like to point out to me and Scott. But uh, still, it, it's a, a chance for a, a marquee uh, atmosphere tonight at, at State Farm Center. Uh, these top 25 matchups for Illinois women's basketball here in Champaign do not happen often at all. Uh, this is only the 10th time in program history you're gonna have a top 25 matchup in women's basketball, the first time since early 2000, which was 23 years ago. Uh, I believe I was a freshman in high school. Scott was in eighth grade at Eureka Middle School. Hank, Hank wasn't born yet. There you go. So there you go. That's One of our I'm staff writers on staff, Joey Wright. Hopefully you've seen his byline and heard his voice on these airwaves. I don't think he was born yet either. So that just kind of shows you the um, the doldrums that Illinois women's basketball was in for quite some time. And, man, it just goes to show you, too, you hire the right coach, you bring in the right players. Obviously, the transfer portal has helped the Illini this season uh, with Makaira Cook and Genesis Bryant, uh, kind of key benefactors for that. But it's a great chance for them to, to seize on that momentum and energy, and uh, hopefully there's a, a really good atmosphere tonight at State Farm Center. I know the fans showed up on New Year's Day. When Iowa came to town, almost 5,000 at State Farm Center. Don't know if we'll get close to that number tonight, but it should be quite the uh, quite the atmosphere if that does, and I know that'll be a lift to, uh, to Shauna Green and her players. I wrote this today. This is in basketball, women's basketball. This is a miracle. It just should, it shouldn't happen, couldn't happen. I can't believe it's, it's happened. And they were so bad for so long, basically 15 years, just at the abyss, and they just – Came back, but in one year, it's amazing. It's stunning, and he better pair. They better time to get. Well, she's got a pretty good salary. Well, she's got to get more. She deserves a big raise. Fair enough. And contract extension. I know Brett Bielema did a great job this year, which he did, and he earned a new raise and all that. But she's done. I mean, no offense, but about ten times more than he's done, or similar. Well, but. she's the leading candidate at this point for Big Ten Coach of national the Year, coach if there. not national, national Coach of the oh, Year. Yeah. I can't believe there'd be anybody that has made the kind of turnaround, given them where the only program was allowed to fall. And I blame past hires that were poor. They didn't do a good job of making sure they were the right person. She's clearly the right person. We're going to talk more basketball as we move along with those two games coming up. We're going to talk some Illinois football as well. Illinois quarterback, or should I say former quarterback, <laughs> Art Sitkowski is with us. And we'll take a break and talk to Art and... Uh, Take your questions and phone calls as well. The phone line is open, 217-356-9397. And we're back after this from the Esquire in downtown Champaign. You're listening to Sports Talk on DWS. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh, yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hey, Illini family. It's Illini women's basketball coach Shauna Green. Don't miss a minute of Illini basketball this season. On News Talk 1400 and 93.9 FM, DWS. Welcome back, everybody. Hour number two of Sports Talk. We are at the Esquire in downtown Champaign. And when you visit the Esquire, check out their 
signature drink, the pineapple margarita, all day long. Scott Ritchie, you hear that? <laughs> probably not. Probably not for Scott. Yeah, probably yeah. not now. No. Happy to welcome uh, to the program, folks, say hi to Art Sitkowski, number nine on the Illinois football team, quarterback, and future coach. Good to see you, Art. How you doing? Good to see you guys. Thanks for having me. So you're going to be a student coach yes. this, this coming season, and then at some point a grad assistant, and how long has it been since you decided that coaching might be for you? Yeah, so I first got kind of the, I kind of, when I was 19, I was at Rutgers, and uh I was sitting in an offensive staff meeting with the coaches, some of the offensive coaches, and uh, they were going, they were trying to figure out a way in a five-man protection, which is a certain protection scheme, kind of to, def- to beat a certain blitz. And I'm like, damn, these guys sit around all day and talk football like this? and try-. I'm like, this is what I want to do. So, so about like uh, I had a conversation with Coach B around se- senior day, kind of this is situ- where I want to go. And uh, actually January 3rd after the bowl game was my first day as a coach. So ever since then I've been uh, – there wasn't much of a break, so got off that plane and went right to the office. So uh, it's been good. I've enjoyed it. You know, I'm with the, surrounded by great people in that building, so I've enjoyed it. How soon, or, or what was the thought process like? Because you still had a season of eligibility left for this upcoming season if you wanted to use it. Mm-hmm. How did you kind of weigh the pros and cons and ultimately come to the decision to say, hey, I want to I go into coaching right now instead of trying it out for one, for one more season at all? I knew the people we have in our building are going to be future head coaches from the support staff to the head coach, from the office coordinator, defense coordinator, all the way from the top to the bottom. So I just wanted to get around them and learn as much as I can from them in this year and for all the years to come. So, yeah. You said you had no break. So what's uh, life been like as a student assistant coach for the last couple of weeks? Breaking down film, <laughs> watching transfers, watching high school recruits, getting coaches uh, – Settled on where they're going to go on the road, self-scout stuff. So just stuff that uh, you know, a normal GA would do, just constantly learning different ways. I, I didn't know how to use a copying machine, so I found out how to, how to use a copying machine, which, again, I'm, I'm 22. I was born in 2000, so I never had to use that in my life. And I'm like, dude, what is this thing? And uh, so that, that was pretty, uh, pretty shocking. But it was, it, was, it was I learned how to make copies finally. My mom would be proud, but um, I'm, I'm enjoying it. You go from being a teammate to now a coach for the quarterbacks. I assume we were going to work with them or some. How's that? Is that how's that dynamic, being teammate one day and coach the next or, you know, guy kind of over them a little bit? Absolutely. So I think at the end of the day as a coach and how I want as a player, if you can make a player better and they know that and they know you want them to be the best version of themselves, that's all that really matters. Okay. I have a great relationship with those guys in that room. Obviously, there were, I was once their teammates and now I'm their coach or one of their coaches but they can go to me for everything. And I think in this, in this profession, it's all about relationships. And if you can have great relationship with your players and they know you care about them and you coach them hard and you want the best for them, that's what matters most. Visiting with Art Sitkowski, you've been in Champaign-Urbana for a couple of years now, coming from New Jersey. How do you like the Midwest? Oh, I tell you what, it's a lot different, but I've enjoyed it. Uh, the culture has kind of adapted me and embraced me. And I've learned a little bit. I've, I had my first shotgun in my hand. I never had a shotgun before in my life. And, man, did that thing shoot back. Uh, i tell you what. But uh, I, it, it's, it's pretty cool. It's, it's awesome. Um, I'm enjoying it. And, uh, yeah. No shotguns in Jersey? I've never held a shot. I'm from the suburbs Pistols, of New Jersey. Maybe? Nothing. I never, I never held a gun in my life. And really? That was the first time. Yeah, so it was pretty crazy. What was the biggest adjustment at first? Everything is so slow here. There's no, there's, there's, there's no rush to do anything. I mean, in Jersey, everyone's on the move. Everyone's moving. Everyone's fast-paced. And you're like, ah, oh, we'll get to it. We'll get to it. 
And did you uh, uh, did you have to figure out how to pump your own gas? Yes, here? actually, yes. Okay. I was actually driving out here two years ago when I was uh, when I when I decided to come to Illinois, and I got to PA like Western PA, and I'm like, where's the guy coming to pump my gas? And there was <laughs> no one coming. So I had to figure it out myself. I said, hey buddy, uh, can you can someone help me? And uh, he looked at me like I was crazy. But now I'm a pro. I gotta tell you, the reverse is just as strange. Yes. Right. Yeah. I bet. I can only imagine. Yeah, I, I remember going out to Rutgers in uh, 2016, covering the game out there, and after the game, stopped at a gas station, and they're ready to pump my gas. I'm like, "What are you? What are you doing? Are you trying to steal my car or something?" And they're like, <laughs> "No, we just want to fill it up." Uh, take us back to your days in high school, uh, recruiting. Uh, I know you were a Michigan commit, ended up going to Rutgers. Obviously, came here to Illinois. Just take us through that whole process of picking a college and and what that process was like for you. Yeah, so I I was a I was a highly rated recruit. I was a four star. Uh, I got my first offer when I was 14 years old. I was really young. Um, I got offered by Rutgers by a coach named Cal Flood, and he offered my first scholarship. And then uh, you know I, I was at Old Bridge High School, which was in New Jersey. We ran the triple option, so I was a triple option <laughs> quarterback at heart. That's kind of I think why I'm so tough in my parents. But um, so I kind of blew up from there. You know I had every offer in the country. Kind of could have could have went anywhere I wanted to. And kind of after my junior year, I kind of wanted to run something else in the triple option. So I want, knew I wanted to transfer to maybe a school where I can throw the football a little more. And I had a choice to go to any of the parochials up north. But then I got a call from a school named IMG Academy down in Florida. And I'm like, shoot, if I can go down there and be around some of the best players in the country and get better every day, that's what I did. So I went down there, and it was a, it was a good time. And I was actually committed to the University of Miami. Was at, uh, I was going to the U. But Chris Ash, man, uh, the head coach at Rutgers at the time, never stopped recruiting me. Had a great relationship with him. He kept calling me, kept texting me every day. And it got to November time, my senior year. I said, shoot, I want to go back home to Rutgers. I want to represent my home state. And I went to Rutgers. And, uh, yeah. And then take us through the decision, too, for you to, to transfer from Rutgers and, and to come to Illinois. So was at Rutgers, played as a true freshman. I went 1-11. I got the, whew, I got the, <laughs> knocked out of me. I was on the floor more than I was standing up. But I tell you what, I learned a lot about myself. I learned a lot about the game. I learned a lot about people. I learned a lot about the business side of this, of this profession and this thing called football, college football at least. And I learned a lot. As, as hard as that season was for me, I learned a lot. And life lessons that I'll take with me for the rest of my life. And so kind of my sophomore year, kind of Coach Ash got fired in the middle of the year, so it was a tough year, decided to red shirt. And then next year, Coach Shano comes in COVID year and uh, kind of was, wasn't a starter originally and then played at towards the end of the year. Felt like I was the best guy and didn't, didn't work out that way and ultimately decided to transfer to Illinois. And uh, i tell you what, I'm really happy I did. How did, how did Illinois first make contact with you or how did you kind of zero in on, on here in Champaign with the Illini? So... The minute I hopped in the portal, it was like 10 minutes with I was in the portal, Pat Hamilton hit me up. I'm like, shoot, this is, this is Illinois. That's not, that's not. I thought it was Illinois. <laughs> it was funny. Actually, my first phone call with Coach B, he calls me. I'm, at, in my, I'm sitting in my uh, apartment at Rutgers, and he goes, this is, uh, he's like, hey, Art, this is uh, Burt Bielema. I don't know if he sounds like that. I'm like, hey, Coach. And Pretty he's good like, impression. And, uh, I'm like, yeah, Coach, Illinois sounds great. He goes, son, it's not Illinois. It's Illinois. I'm like, oh, okay. But, uh, yeah, just kind of get recruited by them. Tony Peterson at the time and uh, George McDonald played a really big role in my recruitment. And uh, I'm really happy I'm here, man. I've, I've gr made some great people, um, some great teammates that I, I literally cherish for the rest of my life. These people here, it's, it's, a, it's a great place to live, great people, and I can't say enough great things about this place. And you're 
you know, part of this made generation of athletes that had a college career, you know, impacted by COVID. Just what was that like, you know, maybe going through all of that, not knowing what it would mean for your football career, what it mean for school, just, you know, to kind of have to deal with, you know, that on top of everything else, you know, being a student athlete is. That COVID year was crazy. It, it was really crazy. I mean, we, we were, I mean, at Rutgers, at least, we were in dorms and we couldn't, like, leave our dorm. The only time we could leave our dorm was to go to practice. So it was, a, it was a pretty crazy time, to say the least. The rest of the world was kind of in shutdown. We were playing football. And for me personally, that's, that's what I, I wanted to play football. Like, it didn't matter what it was. I want to put the ball down. I want to play. That's just kind of my mentality. But it was a crazy world. I mean, we were – I remember everyone had to stay in their own hotel room. Everyone had to wear masks in the locker room, working out. Like, it, it was a crazy time. Almost, it almost became the norm, you know, and kind of when things went back to normal, you were kind of like, oh, like this, is, this is pretty crazy. So it was, it was a crazy experience, to say at least. Anyone who was – took part of that knows like that that was a crazy year are you in it had that kind of magic game against penn state that obviously for you was great and then also horrible so tell me about the whole experience for you like how do you when you look back at that game you guys won so i guess that's the big deal but you got torn up in that game too tell me about that yeah i just i just i just remember that week like i just remember that week like bp wasn't sure if he was going to go and I kind of said, shoot, if I can get this opportunity to go to Happy Valley and lead these guys to win, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be all in. So I just distinctly remember telling those guys all week, if you're, uh, if you're juiceless, you're useless. So I was, I was screaming that all, all week long during practice, and the guys, like, really rallied behind it. They, like, they kind of like, okay, let's go. Like, everyone was fired up and ready to go. I just remember going into that, into that game. It was like a rainy, cold day in Happy Valley. And I'm, I looked around, and I said, dude, let's go like let's go fellas what more could we ask for number seven team in the country in a hostile environment and dude we ran that ball and our all linemen they they balled they ran their feet they blocked those guys and every single time you win that huddle there was no there was no fear it was like we're gonna win this game some way somehow we're gonna pull out a w and uh yeah you didn't go into it saying now guys this game's gonna go nine overtimes. No, <laughs> I'm gonna no. break my arm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I didn't, I didn't expect it. Talk, talk about the sequence after the the end of regulation, just back and forth, back and forth. It was nine crazy. Times. Yeah, it was crazy. I think the the coolest memory that I have, that I'll, I'll have for a long time, is where it was the first overtime, and we're going towards their student section, and I'm looking there in the huddle, or I, I call the play, and I go, I go on line of scrimmage, and I just see the whole entire student section going crazy, and they're playing this song called Mo Bamba. All the, ki- all the college kids know it. It's like a crazy song where all, every student section goes crazy. I'm sitting here like, man, we're really in this, we're really in this, we're really in this, and then this, the sequence of going back and forth was crazy. I'm like, I'm like, what are we doing? We can't just stay on one end, but uh, that's the rule, so... And the, and the student section at Penn State's very nice too to yes. teammates. They uh, they don't say a bad word or anything like that, right? Oh no, they they, they let you hear it. Actually, the funniest, the probably the funniest interaction I've ever had with a fan. And as a player, you try to act it off, you try to act all cool, like you don't hear it. But uh, I'm warming up on the sideline, and a guy goes, "Sikowski, Sikowski, you throw it better, lefty." <laughs> and I looked at him, and I was like, "That's a good one. That's a, that's a good one." Uh, that's probably the only time I ever looked at a fan. I said, "That's a good one," but. Uh, was he right? Huh? Was he right? No. <laughs> <laughs> take, us, take us into to what it was like for you going into this 2022 season as well. Uh, obviously, Tommy DeVito had transferred and committed uh, mid-December. It goes through spring ball. You were coming off, obviously, your broken arm and your shoulder surgery as well. Just 
how did you approach that that quarterback competition at all and, and how did you just kind of stay because as as we saw throughout the season you were you were needed you know that Iowa win doesn't happen if you don't come in there and produce so how did you just kind of approach this this past season at all yeah I kind of again like I was really close with Tommy before I got here I knew Tommy when I was 14 15 years old back in Jersey throwing um you know back at William Patterson but I really approached it like hey listen I went in there and I'm, I want to be the guy and obviously it didn't work out that way and that's life you're not going to get what you want all the time so I went in there I said you know I'm going to do whatever it takes for us for me to help this team win and for me I was be a great teammate teammate to support Tommy and to be ready when my number was called you know so whatever that meant if I had to throw extra with the receivers after practice or if I had to go into the film room and get my film reps after pra- uh, after practice and just just being ready on a call's notice. I think that that's uh, Coach B says something when we walk in the door every day. It's called do your job. And my job my job for most season was to be the best backup I could be, and you know to support Tommy and support this team. So yeah. Well, what was it like then during that Iowa game? What do you remember about Tommy going down, and then I'm sure getting your helmet, getting the play calls, kind of getting yourself ready for that that moment that on that Saturday night too at the Memorial Stadium. Yeah, um, kind of. I, I, again, I've been in that situation a couple times in my career now, to where I think it's going to help me a lot as a coach, kind of talking to the backup quarterback. Because I think sometimes you, when the backup quarterback is almost the most forgotten guy in sports, because it's not a place. It's and, not a place you want to be. I'm and and you. sometimes the most popular guy in sports. As sometimes, well. sometimes. But really, I just remember him going down and getting ready and say, "All right, here we go, Art. Let's looking at Coach B and say." I, I looked at Coach and said, "Coach, we've been here before," and I smiled and you know, I was ready to go. You've got. Uh, a chance to see the quarterback this coming next year, LeCobb Altmaier. Have you seen him pl- play at all, throw a little bit or not? Actually, uh, I have not seen him throw yet, but we uh, we actually got together, all me, all me and all three of the young quarterbacks, Kyle, John, and Luke, and we got together and we actually start installing our offense. So all three of them are so eager to get in there and learn. Um, all three of them are very smart, and I'm really excited for all three of those guys. I mean, and the guys we got coming back, Kirk, Donovan, Hubert, Jameson. So we got a great room with great people led by a great coach. So you feel like they're in good shape going going forward. You guys are in good shape going forward at quarterback. Yeah, I believe so. What was the dynamic like in the, the QB room this year with three guys from Jersey? It was awesome. <laughs> it was awesome. It was awesome. And you know, it's funny, too, because all three of us are so different, and all three of us are from different parts of the state. You know, I'm from Central Jersey. Yes, Central Jersey does exist. <laughs> um, and uh, Tommy's from North Jersey, and then Donnie's from South Jersey. So it was a really cool day. And we had a really close room. Like, most people think that the quarterbacks don't like each other because only one guy plays. But we were a close-knit group. We had a Christmas party. We had, like, a Secret Santa thing. We, we every actually every So this week, our, the way our schedule lined up was that um, we, had a, we had a Thursday night game, and then we had two buys. So that Friday and that, those two Saturdays, we were off. All the quarterbacks came over to me and RJ's house, and we cooked out on the grill. We had steak. We had burgers. We had we had uh, what do they call them? Brats. 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 Yeah. Yeah. brats. <laughs> see, I don't. I don't. See, I, I do. I'm just. I'm learning too. We had brats, and we just watched football. So we're a really tight knit group, and it it was a great group. And obviously, you. We were talking before you came on air, Art. And if you want to share this story, it was pretty funny that you were going before we we came back on. Tell us about your experience in Mantino, Illinois. <laughs> so me and my me and my roommate, Jack Bedovinak, who played at Colgate, who uh, was a starting left guard here in the not not in 20, 21. Uh, we're up going up to Chicago to see my buddies, Max, who's now a coach at Illinois. And we're on the way back down on Saturday morning. And so me and Jack are driving and we're somewhere in the somewhere in, in Illinois. As you know, when you drive from Chicago to University of Illinois, it's absolutely nothing. <laughs> <laughs> so we're driving 
and I'm sitting in my, obviously I'm driving in, my, my front mirror starts to get really, really icy. I'm like, oh, shoot, maybe it's salt coming up from the ground. So I start using my, my liquid fluid, and I'm wiping it down, and as soon as I run, out of, I run out of fluid. So Jack is like, hey, get to the right lane. So I get to the right lane, and the car in front of me, it starts slowing down. So I start pressing my brake. I'm like, Jack, I can't stop. Jack, I can't stop. So oh, he's like, oh, pull to the side. So I pull to the side of the road. My car spins out. I land in a ditch. So now I'm in a ditch. So I look at Jack. I said, Jack, what do we do? And he says, all right, let's call 911. <laughs> so we call 911. And they're like, yeah, we'll get, a, we'll get, a, um, we'll get someone to tow your car out tomorrow. <laughs> it is 11 a.m. I'm like, we are going to freeze to death. So then there's a Ford F-150 about a couple yards up the road that wipes out too. So I go up there. I'm like, hey, excuse me, man, are you okay? She says, yeah, I'm fine. I said, do you have a shovel? She goes, no. Then I see a sign for Montino, Illinois. I'm like, shoot, Josh Getsky lives there. Let me give him a call. Illinois offensive lineman. Illinois offensive lineman. He doesn't pick up. I'm like, shoot. So I start walking back to my car. I said, Jack, he didn't pick up. So then an ambulance truck comes, picks us up, and, we're gonna br- and says the, the state trooper comes out, and she's like, I'm gonna bring, we're going to bring you guys to nearest McDonald's. So we go to McDonald's. Again, middle of nowhere. No idea where I am. And I get a call from Getsky. I'm like, hey, Getsky, I'm stuck in a ditch. I'm in your hometown. Can you come get me? And he's like, yeah, dude, I'm duck hunting. I'll be there in an hour. <laughs> I said, okay, thanks. So Getsky, Getsky comes in an hour. And I'm sitting, I'm sitting there having a McChicken with uh, Jack. And Josh Getsky's dad, who played at Nebraska, won an Orange Bowl, who's a really big human being, goes, I heard y'all boys got stranded. Y'all need a ride? I'm like, yes, yes, please. So he ends up getting my car out the ditch. Thank you, Mr. Getsky. And then we ended up staying the night at his house. But, so that we, had, we, had, uh, we had food, hanging out. And think about it, when you walk into Josh Getsky's house, there's ducks everywhere. There's deer everywhere. There's every single bird possible that flies in the air. There's a beautiful duck hunting dog, duck hunting sheets, duck, ducks on the pillow. I couldn't believe it. It was all ducks. <laughs> Never seen so many ducks in my life. And uh, so t- getting towards the end of the night, and Josh goes, hey, you guys want to go to the shop? Me and Jack are like, sure, we'll go to the shop. Sure, why not? So we're driving on this road. I haven't seen a stoplight yet. I'm like, Josh, where are we, dude? He's like, oh, we're almost there. We're almost there. So we get to this storage unit. And then behind the storage unit, there's this little unit. We walk in the unit. There's like ATVs, quads, guns, decoys. I'm like, Getsky, what do you got in here, bro? And then we get in this little room. And there's four guys, there's four men, and there's four wives, and they're all sitting there drinking bush light, got chewing tobacco in, and eating pizza. They say, hey, you want a beer? I said, yes, sir. And I'm, I'm like, man, I've never been in a place like this before in my life, but I love it. So a kid from the suburbs of New Jersey was in the middle of nowhere, Montino, Illinois. And man, I had a good time. So it was really cool. So were you hoping to go back to Jersey at that point? When I first walked in there, I was like, yeah, I said, where the hell am I? <laughs> but it was Are there any wide open spaces in Jersey? It's pretty, pretty tight in Jersey, Oh, it's it? pretty tight, yeah. Not, not, there's not, like when, you, like when you get out of here, when you get out of Champagne, you're like, whoa. But, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a beautiful place. It's a garden state. There's a lot of gardens, I assume, right? Uh, it depends where you go. Yeah. <laughs> So what are, your, what are your responsibilities now moving forward? You know, spring ball's coming up here in, in a few months. Mm-hmm. Uh, what have you and, and Coach Bielema have talked about as, as this kind of evolves and, and moves forward towards the, the start of the 2023 season? So kind of just helping the offense. You know, I think about like a normal GA. You're putting scripts together. You're putting data in the computer. You're constantly looking on the road, on, constantly looking for recruits either in the portal 
or in the, at the high school level, you know, just trying to you're trying to make the coach's life easier. You know, these these position coaches have a really lot on their plate, so I'm trying to make Coach Lunny's job or Coach Miller's job easier. So whatever I can do to help them become be a better coach, that's what I'm going to do. Another couple of minutes with Art Sitkowski. What keeps you busy off the football field? What do you like to do to to stay busy? Do you go duck hunting at all? I do not. I do not go duck hunting. I do not. Oh man, me and uh, so me and my buddy Ryan Johnson, who just got done playing quarter, uh, just got done playing quarterback here. Uh, we played a lot of Madden. Um, I tell you, I'll tell you one thing. There's there's these uh, there's the horses over there by uh, right. You know what I'm talking about? The horses behind the stadium over there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Off St. Mary's Road. Yeah. Oh, yeah, dude, farm so I, animals. I take some yeah. beautiful walks over there, dude. South okay. Farm, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so I'll I'll get done with football sometimes, or even like during training camp, I would just take my walks down there and I would just go there I'd find some grass and I feed the horses they say don't they, they say don't feed the horses but I, I say screw it it is what it is <laughs> and I feed those horses so yeah so obviously coaching is a profession you want to get into you know 10 15 20 years from now where do you where do you see yourself what's the ultimate ultimate goal do you think to be a head football coach of a power five program that, that's the goal I think if you're in this profession that should be the dream that should be the goal that's what you're pursuing I don't want to say chase I want to say pursuing because I feel like a chase is a word where you lose sight of what's other things that are important in your life, so I'm pursuing that dream, and uh, I'm really excited. When you were asked that question probably 10 years ago, what was your answer then? Oh, NFL when quarterback. When you were tw 12 years old or whatever? NFL quarterback, for sure, for sure, for sure. I, I just think it's so great that you're going to be involved here. I assume you appreciate starting your coaching career at this place that you know so well. Absolutely. You know, I, I, I'm an alumni here, going to be an alumni here. So I have a really great appreciation for this place and the people here um, from the from the coaching staff, to the administration, to my teammates. I mean, like I said, like it's the people that make this place special, like even the fans, like the the people. The, when I walked out that tunnel in that bowl game and I saw our I literally saw our section. I was like, dude, this is awesome to have that many Illini fans down there in Tampa. And even on we played on Monday, like that Saturday, that Sunday leading up to the game, like us driving our buses through that area, seeing on the bridge, like to have those fans there, it meant so much to us. Like you have, like people have no idea the impact that the fans and supporters and, and people around the program have on us. Like it means so much to us. So thank you, whoever's listening, you guys there. Like it means, it means the world to us as players and obviously now as coaches. So when you see you know, Ryan Walters get the head coaching job at Purdue, <laughs> are you like, you know, Brett Bielma is the guy that's going to get me you know, where I want to go? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, you could Coach B's resume, and he's had Coach Walters, Dave Doran, uh, Chris Ash. Like, he's had multiple coaches under him become head coaches. So he not only trains his coaches to become head coaches, he's obviously a great – and I, listen, I've been in those staff meetings now. Coach B is hard. He's hard on his coaches, and he's hard on his players too. So he does a great job of balancing, kind of like coach, coach him hard but love him harder. Like, he's a great coach to where he opens up his chest and he's vulnerable, and I, I just couldn't ask for a better mentor and a better better guy to coach for and play for. We talked about the Penn State game. What other games may stand out, or what other memories will you always have of your time as a player here? Uh, the Nebraska game definitely stands out to me a lot. Nebraska definitely, just because I was a new guy on the block, um, still trying to figure things out, living here. And uh, when I got my opportunity there, I really felt like the team kind of embraced me and was like, damn, okay, this guy's serious. Like, he, he, he was ready when his number was called. So that Nebraska game, obviously that Penn State game's up there. So just, just, being, around the, just being around the guys. Like, we, we got a great group of dudes in that locker room and that Coach B's brought in, so yeah. It's kind of interesting how things 
what goes around comes around. You you stepped in for Brandon Peters when he was hurt. He ended up stepping in for you when you got hurt at Penn State. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, kind of yin and yang. You know, it's kind of yin and yang how those things work. BP's a great dude. And I think that's just our culture, man. That, that's our culture that we embody is, you know, we're a bunch of selfless dudes that just want the best for the team. You mentioned uh, to us as you got here that you hadn't been down in Cham- downtown Champaign much. Are you going to be okay getting back to campus? Oh, yeah. Hopefully. Hopefully I don't get lost. <laughs> you had that GPS going to you? Oh, I did actually have the GPS to get here. I had no idea where I was going. <laughs> but uh, now I know. So don't, go. uh, don't wind up in a ditch. Yeah, so. careful of the ice. Yeah, there is exactly. ice. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. <laughs> That's Art Sikowski, everybody. Thanks, well, Art. We'll uh, hope to have you back one of these uh, days. And, yeah, don't uh, forget about us when months. you're a big, powerful head football coach, okay? <laughs> we'll do. We'll you can do. say it all started in downtown Champaign at, <laughs> at the Esquire. Thank you, Art. We appreciate it. Thank you, guys. Thank you. We'll take a break and be back with some basketball talk after this. Stay with us. We're at the Esquire in downtown Champaign, and we'll be back. You're listening to Sports Talk on DWS. Hey, Illini family. It's Illinois women's basketball coach Shauna Green. We'll see you tonight at the State Farm Center. And listen in right here on News Talk 1400 and 93.9 FM. The pregame show for that basketball game tonight, the Illini women ranked number 21 in the country and Indiana ranked number six begins at 645. Mike Kuhn on the call here on DWS. That ball game starting right at seven o'clock or a minute or two after. We're at the Esquire, famous for their great sandwiches, burgers, and fish. On Fridays, stop in for lunch or dinner anytime at the Esquire at 106 North Walnut Street in downtown Champaign. Steve Kelly, Matt Daniels, Scott Ritchie, Bob Osmussen, who is given a little bit of an early release to head to the State Farm Center. Yeah, he's uh, he's going to cover help cover uh, tonight's women's basketball game. We'll have uh, Joe Vizzelli Jr., our, our Illinois women's basketball beat writer, will be there providing ample coverage as well, and Bob will be supplementing him, and uh, Robin Schultz, our photo editor, and Anthony Zillis uh, will be there for some video coverage as well. So we'll have you... Covered from pretty much every angle you could imagine from uh, Illinois-Indiana women's basketball tonight. Well, the, these two teams played not that long ago, and Illinois had them on the ropes over at uh, Assembly Hall in in Bloomington, and they lost by what, four? I think yeah, 65-61 back on the, the first Sunday in, in December, and I think that's probably when a lot of people started thinking that this Illinois women's basketball team could possibly be for real. Uh, the Hoosiers were ranked fifth in the country at the time. They're still one of the top programs in the in the nation this season. They're number six in the latest AP Top 25 poll. They're 16 and one on the season, six and one in the Big Ten. Uh, Illinois is coming in at 15 and three, five and two in the Big Ten. Makaira Cook really took over the game for the Illini last time those two teams played. I believe had 33 or 34 points. Uh, really kind of showed her potential, and ever since then too, Illinois has really been a balanced team offensively. Cook is still their their leader, their kind of go-to offensive option. But Genesis Bryant has really asserted herself once she's been thrust into the starting lineup role. Uh, Adela McKenzie as well, uh, consistent. Probably the key for Illinois too tonight is is how Kendall Bostic plays. She really gives them a post presence down low. Obviously, one of the top rebounders in in the Big Ten. But any time any offensive contribution she can have is just a bonus for Illinois. Um, yeah, it's just uh, it, it's just crazy too. It's just an exciting time uh, for Illinois women's basketball because, like you said, and like Bob mentioned too, they've just been kind of stumbling along in the wilderness, kind of lost for a better part of two decades or so, and. and to see the buzz and the energy and the excitement 
and all it really just trend they're winning games and they're doing so in an exciting fashion uh high scoring get after it defensively and they're undefeated this season at, at State Farm Center, so we'll see if they can uh, keep that going tonight. Again, you can hear it right here on DWS, 7 o'clock, 6.45, with a pregame show with Mike Kuhn. And then coming up on uh, Thursday night, 7.30 start, Scott Ritchie. Again, the Hoosiers and the Illini. And Illinois won four straight. Indiana had a nice uh, win in their most recent outing, so that's always a good battle. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see... Again, with this Indiana team, I mean, they're down two starters in Xavier Johnson and Race Thompson. Um, but they still have Trace Jackson Davis. And you know, st- statistically, he's putting up the best numbers of his career. Uh, still hasn't you know, turned into this three-point shooter we've heard he's going to be for, I don't know, the last at least two and a half seasons. Uh, it seems like Mike Woodson has just decided if he's going to win any games, it's going to be with Trace down low. So... Uh, it's a just kind of an interesting wrinkle that he kept coming back to Indiana because you know, NBA teams told him well, you haven't shot anything outside of 15 feet, and he still hasn't. He hasn't. I don't think he's attempted a three all season, but he's still really good. It would be an interesting uh, challenge, I think, for Dane Danger, who has you know proven himself to be a pretty adept defender. Um, just his long arms, you know, make I think a world of difference because he can contest basically any shot. Um, just doing so without fouling is the, the challenge for, for everybody. Um, I mean, the Minnesota game, I mean, if that was a more talented team, you know, Coleman Hawkins on the bench with two fouls in the first half with Dane Danger, with Terran Shannon, might have been a different game. But, uh, you know, Brandon Lieb really you know, came in and just kind of held the line a little bit, you know, and contributed some, you know, played the most minutes he's ever played ever. Um, but... Dane Danger not in foul trouble is kind of the, maybe the preferred option there in the post. You heard uh, Brad Underwood talk this afternoon. What did you learn during that little pregame press conference? Well, I mean, he talked some about the, the Illinois-Indiana rivalry for what it is, just that you know, he remembered you know, Lou Henson and Bobby Knight going at it you know, for, for all those years. Um, Almost that, literally going at it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, a time or two. Um, just that you know, both programs have you – know, Fan bases that are very much, you know, into basketball. I wonder how much of a rivalry it still is. Um, I think Iowa, Illinois is maybe, you know, just gets fans a little more excited just because of, you know, the, the high-level games that have been played, the fact that... Fran McCaffrey may lose his mind. Yeah, that's always an interesting wrinkle. I mean, there's Illinois-Michigan that's maybe been a little more high-profile on the rivalry front. Um, and just the fact that, I mean... There was a stretch there um, in the John Gross era where Indiana won seven of eight, and then Illinois won four in a row before last year's Big Ten tournament. It's just it maybe doesn't have quite the heat that it did when Chester Frazier was uh, shoulder bumping Eric Gordon uh, at midcourt during the starting lineup introductions. Yeah, not even the game. He didn't know what hit him there. He was really surprised. <laughs> yeah. Just the look on Eric Gordon's face when that happens is just like, it's kind of funny. And Chester Frazier made sure to share that video yeah. on Twitter. And the, the current Illinois players have all seen it. You know, Ty Rogers, you know, was talking to him today and he said that it was just, you know, he had heard, you know, you know Chester Frazier always talks about what he did at Illinois. To see something like that, you know, Ty thought that was pretty cool. You know, rivalries, I think, can, can fluctuate uh, over time. And I think to have a good rivalry, Matt, you may or may not agree with this, it's got to come both sides. It's both teams, both schools have to look at it as a rivalry. Like, you know, a lot of people think Illinois-Michigan 
is a good rivalry. It has been. Mm-hmm. But Michigan doesn't think that. No, exactly. And, and, and maybe Indiana doesn't think that in basketball right now. Iowa does, I think. Purdue does. Well, I think, too, it comes down to, as well, just the, the Big Ten scheduling component. I mean, you're, you're, you've had seasons where Indiana and Illinois only play each other one time. So that, that adds to the, the, the factor. And I think what made that rivalry so great in the, in the 80s and 90s is Illinois and Indiana were kind of at the cream of, at the you know, head of the Big Ten. They were nationally ranked for, for so long. And, and two, just the, the personalities of both coaches. There was such a dynamic contrast between Lou Henson and, and Bobby Knight, that that just added to it. And, and both of them publicly talked about each other's likes and dislikes of one another throughout the year. So I think that just added to the, the element. And, and since uh, Knight and Henson both left, there's been kind of a a rotating cast of coaches that have come through Champaign and, and Bloomington in the subsequent two-plus decades or so. So I think that adds to it as well. But again, uh, you know, 10 years ago, uh, it's crazy thing. It's been 10 years ago, Illinois, Indiana. Indiana was number one in the country, and Tyler Griffey hits the buzzer-beating layup and court-storming at, at – uh, it was still Assembly Hall then here in Champaign. It wasn't State Farm Center. Um, but, yeah, it's just got another chapter to, to possibly add to it. And I think, too, some of the – the changing dynamics in college basketball just because you've got guys like Matthew Meyer, Terrence Shannon Jr., Dane Danger that have never played Indiana at Illinois and, and they may never play them again after this game. So you don't have kind of the familiar constants that you had throughout those years and, and guys really get to know each other and play against each other in, in those intense atmospheres. I think that kind of maybe makes the rivalry not as, as at its peak as it was, you know, uh, three, four decades ago. When you look at the Big Ten standings on this uh, Wednesday, January the 18th, Purdue 6-1, and one, Rutgers in second place by themselves at 5-2, and two, Michigan is third at 4-2, and two, then you've got four teams tied at 4-3, and three, and then in, uh, a couple of other teams with three wins, so Scott, it's, it's kind of bunched up there in the midi- middle, everybody's looking up at Purdue, but uh, still a lot to, to happen before we get done with this. Yeah, I mean, it's still only mid-January there's you know a lot of Big Ten games to be played but I mean unless Purdue just falls off the cliff um, I could see like 10 teams like finish 10 and 10 in the Big Ten because I think they'll just beat up on each other and no team is maybe that much better than than the other so it it'd be it's gonna be an interesting Big Ten season already has been but at least Illinois right now is trending in the right direction after an 0 and 3 start. If that league. happens, 10 teams tying at 10 10, you'll probably get 10 teams in the NCAA tournament. We'll see. I mean, <laughs> it depends on like how much value those wins yeah. have because right. the teams they're beating is like, oh, you've got double digit losses. So it's an interesting place to be. We are out of time on this Wednesday edition of Monday Night Sports Talk <laughs> at, at the Esquire. We will be here next uh, Monday night and for uh, Monday nights, as far as I can see on the calendar. So keep that in mind. Thanks to Ed Bond and Tamara McDaniel for their help producing the show. At Daniels, Scott Ritchie, Bob Ospus, and I'm Steve Kelly. Thanks to our special guest tonight, Art Sitkowski from the Illinois Football Program. And thanks for you folks coming out on your way to the State Farm Center for that Illini women's game tonight. Appreciate you listening. WDWS Champaign-Urbana. Steve Kelly saying, have a good night, everybody.